What is up, guys? It's Alex Johnson here, the founder and lead analyst at YardsPerFantasy.com. Welcome into the 66th episode of the Feed Me Fantasy podcast. Let's eat. What is your excuse for not drafting on underdog? Seriously. You don't have one. I know you don't. Everyone is on underdog. Except for you, apparently. You're really missing out, I'm telling you. Just give it a shot. UnderdogFantasy.com. Download their app. Use promo code YARDSPER when you deposit for the first time to get a free $25. Your excuses won't work anymore, and you're running out of time to enter the Best Ball Media Tournament where the winner takes home $1 million. So take that promo code YARDSPER and use your free $25 bonus to enter Best Ball Mania or any of their other contests and win some cash. So last week we talked about the best values at wide receiver. One of those guys was Marquez Callaway. How good did he look last week? Today I'm going to talk about the best running back values. These are guys I'm gobbling up at their current ADP and feeling really good about it. Let's start in the Pacific Northwest with my guy Chris Carson. Carson seems to be undervalued every year. Yet when he's healthy, he's one of the most consistent running backs in fantasy football. He seems to always be producing low-end RB1, high-end RB2 numbers. That was no different in 2020 when he ranked 11th with 15.7 fantasy points per game. Many think of him as a between-the-tackles grinder, but the Seahawks trust him in an every-down role. His 11.5% target share last season was 16th among all running backs. He ranked top 12 in yards per route, yards per reception, and catch rate. There's no other backs on that team that threaten Carson's workload. We want the all-purpose back in the Russell Wilson offense where there's going to be opportunity to get on the field, see red zone looks, and score points. Carson is a fantastic value in the fourth round. Everything is right in the world again. Okay, maybe not everything. But at least Miles Gaskin is back in the role we were expecting. After giving us a scare in week one of the preseason, where Malcolm Brown was running with the first team and Gaskin with the twos, Gaskin was back on top in week two. While Tua Tungavaloa was on the field, Gaskin played over 50% of the running back snaps and was the only back to take snaps on third down or inside the 10-yard line. It's clear Gaskin is back atop the depth chart, Not sure if he ever really left. Much like he was last season. Gaskin finished the year top 10 in both snap share and opportunity share among all running backs. Even when he missed time due to injury, he returned to assume the same heavy usage he had been receiving prior to going out. That was despite Salvin Ahmed playing well in his absence. There's no reason to believe the Dolphins would change their feeling about his ability to be the workhorse now. Maybe they were just taking a look at Malcolm Brown, giving him a chance with the ones. I don't know what that was all about in week one of the preseason, but I'm glad it's behind us. Gaskins, he's a proven workhorse. During his time at the University of Washington, Gaskin ran for no less than 1,268 yards in each of his four seasons with more than 220 carries and double-data touchdowns every single year. He was quietly one of the most effective pass-catching running backs in the league in 2020, while averaging 4.7 targets per game 
and a 13.4% target share, Gaskin racked up 388 receiving yards, which was the seventh most among all running backs. He averaged 9.5 yards per reception, which was number one among all running backs, and his 2.08 yards per route were top three, as was his 87.2% catch rate. He even took 18 snaps from the slot. And just so you know, all those numbers are from playerprofiler.com. Pretty much all the numbers I'm going to reference in this in this podcast episode are from Player Profiler. I just want to say that. But back to Gaskin, he was just as efficient on the ground as he as he was as a runner. I mean, as a as a pass catcher, he managed to evade 50 tackles, which was number 16, and had a juke rate, which is evading tackles per touch on PlayerProfiler.com, of 27.3%, and I ranked 13th. The Dolphins used him in the red zone a ton as he had 42 red zone touches, which he only played 10 games. That's 4.2 red zone touches a game. He finished as the RB10 in fantasy points on a per-game basis with 16.4 fantasy points per game. In his 10 games, Gaskin finished as an RB1 three times. It was in the top 24 on eight occasions. When it mattered most, Gaskin delivered 169 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns while finishing the fantasy championship week as the overall RB2. Everything is looking good for Gaskin to smash his ADP in 2021. He should continue to hog the backfield touches and one of the league's fastest ascending offenses. The offense will be both more efficient and more explosive. That means more plays, more trips to the red zone, and more scoring opportunities for a guy like Gaskin. He's an absolute steal at cost with upside to finish as a top 12 running back. Damien Harris is a locked-in, early-down workhorse in goal line back in New England. It's no secret that the Patriots want to run the ball. They were third in rush attempts last year and had the second-highest run rate in neutral game scripts. There's no reason to think that will change in 2021. They have a top-five offensive line and will be playing a ton of 12 personnel with the additions of John O. Smith and Hunter Henry. We expect to see Mac Jones named as the starting quarterback at some point during the season, which will provide more goal line opportunities, you know, because less Cam Newton vultures. And no matter who is under center, though, the Patriots will continue to pound the rock at one of the highest rates in the league. Harris was efficient with his opportunities last year, averaging over five yards a carry, despite facing a stacked front 42.3% of the time, the second highest rate among all running backs. He won't be involved much as a pass catcher, but that is already baked into his cost. Still, Harris is one of the last starting running backs to come off the board, making him a fantastic value. Like Damian Harris, Trey Sermon is one of the last starting running backs left on draft boards. Unlike Harris, though, Sermon is likely to share the backfield early in the season. The expectation is that he will eventually take over as a lead dog, though. Sermon dominated at the end of his collegiate career. He racked up 331 rushing yards in the Big Ten Championship game and 193 in the semifinals against Clemson. Sermon isn't the fastest, but he is plenty athletic with a 79th percentile agility score and 81st percentile burst score on playerprofiler.com. 
he showed that off with 16 carries of 15 yards or more in 2020. The Niners targeted the Ohio State runner with a trade up into the third round. And that's significant. To me, the move to use day two draft capital while also trading up to do it is telling us the Niners really like this player and have a plan to use him. The team has shown time and time again that they can be highly productive running the football with less than top level talents in the backfield. We've seen weeks where guys like Jeff Wilson, Matt Breda, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Moser, and even Jamichael Hasty have been very fantasy relevant. Sermon's one cut and go running style fits the San Francisco offense well. He'll likely be the team's grinder back with upside to be the high volume, early down, and short yardage guy. That role will have even more potential for fantasy points if, and really when, the team turns the keys to the offense over to their electric rookie starting quarterback, Trey Lance. A rushing quarterback naturally opens up run lanes for the running backs. And a better, more efficient offense is always positive for a running back's upside. The team also added guard Aaron Banks in the second round and center Alex Mack in free agency, which will only help the running game further. The departure of Kenyon Drake left behind 270 touches in Arizona. There's no way in hell that James Conner absorbs all of those. So that leaves Chase Edmonds in line for a significant workload, especially in the passing game. We know Edmonds can get it done in that area. In 2020, Edmonds had a 12.3% target share and ranked 6th among all running backs in total targets with 68. Edmonds ran 289 routes and averaged 5.7 yards per touch. Again, that was in a complimentary role behind Drake, who was 7th in targets himself. We know Edmonds can handle a healthy workload. He did it in college. He had over 250 carries in three of his four collegiate seasons. He doesn't have to be a bow cow back to outperform his mid-round ADP. A very reasonable 12 carries per game would put him over the 200 carry mark. Add that to his significant workload in the passing game, and boom! We have a guy ready to smash his ADP. Gus Edwards was an RB3 or better in 9 of the last 11 weeks of the season last year. He's often thought of as strictly a between-the-tackles grinder, short-yardage guy. But he's explosive, too. He broke a run of 15 yards or more on 6.2% of his runs last year, which was the 7th most among all running backs. And he was efficient, averaging 5.6 yards per touch, which was number 7, and 4.8 true yards per carry, which was 7th on playerprofiler.com. We know the Ravens will hold a lead most of the time. And they want to run the ball a ton. They were number one in positive game script in run plays per game. Edwards is going to get red zone looks as well. If anything were to happen to Dobbins, Edwards is a top 20 guy every week. That's going to be a wrap for today, though. If you're not already, please follow me on Twitter at AndersCoreJohnsonFF and the site at YardsPer. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Also, please be sure to rate and review. It really helps me out a lot and is much appreciated. 
and go download the Yards Per Fantasy app right now and give us a five-star rating review over there too. Thanks, guys. Cue that music. Thank you.